If you have your copy of Scripture this morning, if you would open it up to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, our text for this morning is going to be verses 1 through 3. Before we read that, uh, just to fill you in, Pastor Pete is suffering for Jesus right now in Florida. <laughs> suffering. Poor man. No, he's visiting one of our missionaries, and he'll be speaking today. And so, um, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll miss him while he's gone, but I can't say I'm sad he's gone because I get the opportunity to preach. So, uh, you know, we love him and everything, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to, to bring you God's word this morning. So 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, if you would follow along. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Let's pray. Our God, thank you for the privilege of your word, the truths that it holds, the reminders that it holds for us that we need in our walk with you every single day. Lord, I pray that we would not um, uh, take these things lightly as Lord, they bear significance and they bear weight on our everyday walk with Jesus Christ. So Lord, give us the strength to glean from your word what we need to and to change us through your spirit how we need to be changed to become more like Jesus Christ. It's in the name of Christ I pray. Amen. So 1 John 3, 1 through 3 is going to be our text this morning, but before we get into that, um, I heard of some interesting uh, competitions that happen around the country. Uh, maybe you guys have heard of it as well. They're like look-alike competitions where famous celebrities or talk show hosts or athletes, whatever it is, people will get together and they will compete to find out who can look the most like this certain celebrity professional athlete, whatever it might be, people go extreme for these things, right? I mean, one of the, one of the number one thing, uh, lookalike competitions in the world, I think, is an Elvis lookalike competition, but there's plenty of other ones out there. People go extreme, like will get plastic surgery to make themselves look more like someone else. It's a little bit too far in my book, but hey, if you like it, I guess. But, so um, these lookalike competitions are not new. They've been around for quite some time. Uh, some of you might be familiar with a silent picture era uh, actor, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, I had to look him up. <clears throat> but I heard the story and it was too good to pass up. <laughs> so Charlie Chaplin, he was so popular during his time, the silent picture era, that all these lookalike competitions sprung up all around the country to imitate some of his most famous iconic roles. So people would come together, they would dress up like him, they would try to do, I guess he had a famous walk that he used to do. And people would try to do this walk, and they would try to be as close to Charlie Chaplin as possible. So one of these competitions happened in San Francisco at the time that Chaplin had to be, uh, happened to be in town. He was walking by. He saw one of these competitions on one of the billboards up there, so he figured it would be funny to sign himself up for his own lookalike competition. So... Uh, he entered himself into his own lookalike competition. It was in a San Francisco theater. It was a big deal. Then something amazing happened, and it was not the fact that he won. The amazing thing was that he didn't even make the finals in his own lookalike competition. 
must stink not being a good enough impression of yourself. But I thought that story was funny. But isn't that amazing? Like, enter your own competition, lookalike competition, and fail. Sometimes people don't recognize the real thing, even when it's standing them, staring them in the face. That's the way I think it can be oftentimes or sometimes with the children of God, with believers in Jesus Christ. Sometimes I think we forget who we are, even though we have God all around us. We have our Christian church. We have our, our Christian families. We have followers of Christ that we, that we grab lunch with throughout the week. We have the Word of God at our fingertips, at our every disposal, everything we could ever want. We have God all around us staring us in the face, and yet at the same time, we forget who we are. We begin running around after other things that we think will bring us joy or satisfaction. And that can take its form in a number of different ways. Uh, Sometimes it can show itself by a, a romantic relationship. Sometimes it can be through a pay raise at work. Sometimes it could be getting that new ride you've been looking for. could just be from approval from other people, finding satisfaction and making sure everyone thinks that I've got my life together and neatly packed. Sometimes we just forget who we are and we start running around trying to find our identities and things that are going to pass away, that will, that will rust, that will fall apart, that will disappear. From our text today, there are three, th- three truths to know in your walk with Christ. Not just three truths to know, but for many of us, it's three truths to be reminded of daily in our walk with Jesus Christ. As we go throughout our interactions, as we go to work, as we hang out with friends, these are things to keep at the forefront of our minds, no matter what situation comes into your life. Three truths to know in your walk with Jesus Christ. The first truth is, that, is this. You need to know who you are. Sounds relatively simple. I certainly hope you know who you are, but I'm talking about something a little bit different. It's important to remember every day who you are as a follower of Jesus Christ. You belong to God. You are a child of God. Read with me 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. What I want to do is I want to break down these verses for us because there's a lot that is informing us about our relationship with God. Beginning off this verse right here, we have John saying, see, see what kind of love this is. This is kind of like an announcement. He's directing all of our attention. Another way of translating this, see, the word see, would be uh, behold, look at this. Everyone stop what you're doing and pay attention to what is about to be said. So he's saying, look at this kind of love that the Father has given to you. He's reminding us that this kind of love you and I have been shown is unusual. It's different. It's abnormal for what you and I interact with as love on a daily basis. It's not the average kind of love that we show to each other. One author puts it this way for us. God's love is foreign to humankind in that we cannot understand the magnitude of such love. It astonishes, amazes, creates wonder within those who properly reflect on it. The astonishing factor in this kind of love is, first of all, that God would choose to show this to anyone or anything. But secondly, the astonishing factor in this is that God would choose to show it to people like you and me. 
We don't deserve that kind of love. We never really have, honestly, deserved that kind of love on our own. Yet the whole direction, the whole object of God's love that he demonstrated, it's, it's an active kind of love which calls us to become obedient children of God. It's a, it's a calling action. It's active. We know this according to Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. I'd encourage you to read the whole thing later, Ephesians 2 as a bulk. But in the beginning of Ephesians 2, we're very clearly described as dead in our trespasses and sins. Right? Ephesians 2, 3 goes as far to describe you and me before Christ as by nature children of wrath. That's strong language. By nature, our very essence, who we are, is children of wrath. That's strong. Yet the kind of love that God shows toward you and I is active, that so much that God reaches in and saves us from this nature of wrath position that we are in. Before we were by nature children of wrath, but God, being rich in mercy, reaches in and creates us by nature children of God. We need to remember and know every single day who we are. You are a loved child of God. And not just that, you are loved by a a God who was willing to sacrifice greatly to bring you into his family. It cost him something. I think we forget that sometimes. It costs God something to bring you into his family, to be called a child. The free gift of salvation that's given to you and me was not free for God. That's why John was so blown away with this kind of love that the Father has given to us. Because this love is given to us for free, but it was bought with a high cost paid by Jesus Christ, God's Son. Who are you? You are a child of God, of a God who sacrificed for you. We need to remember this. Continuing along with verse number one, the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And this is referring to to Jesus. Now, while Jesus was on the earth, he would have been widely recognized. I mean, you could walk through Israel, even the surrounding regions, and people all around would have at least somewhat heard of him, the, the miracles that he was performing, the acts that he was doing for people, the teachings were probably some of the most impactful teachings, that he was God, that he was the Son of God. So people would have recognized Jesus Christ. However, recognition does not exactly equal acceptance, right? We know this from the stories about Jesus Christ. He was rejected not not by everybody, but by the majority of, of his contemporaries. John 1.10 says it like this. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. So yes, Jesus was here, but he was not known by this world. And it's not that he was just not recognized by this world. He had actually is taking a step further where much of what Jesus was and much of his teachings were rejected by the people in this world. I want to remind us right now, we have no right to be surprised or shocked when either Christianity or Christian values 
Biblical principles are diminished or even ignored. Our Savior wasn't even fully accepted here. Why do we think that we get to be the exception? To be fully accepted. A simple way to state this is taken from a certain commentator. The child of God is unknown by the world because they have different fathers. God and Satan. Maybe a little bit of a strong phrase to say this, but if you remember what we said just a moment ago, Ephesians chapter 2, 3, before Christ, we are described as children by nature of wrath. The devil, Satan. Once we, are, once we have our faith in Jesus Christ, we are described as being brought from death to life, created a new creation, now by nature, children of God. The child of God is unknown by the world because they have different fathers. If anything, I believe this should remind us to find our identity in this world. Uh, Not in this world, but rather to remember at our core every single day in every interaction you have, whatever position you're in, who you are. You are a child by nature of God. We are children of God. On, On Thursdays, Many of you know we have something called Impact Basketball. It's a a time where we open up our gymnasium. We have a beautiful gymnasium. Why not use it for our community? So we open up our gymnasium from Thursdays from 4 to 6 p.m. And we have anyone, any 6th through 12th grade guys that want to come, and we play basketball with them. It's a lot of fun. It's a great time. It really is a blessing to be a part of uh, that kind of ministry. Nothing about it is... um, uh, quick in the sense of ministry sense because we, we get two hours with them face-to-face throughout the week. Sometimes myself or uh, the other leaders are able to get other time with the boys throughout the week, but uh, it is a blessing and a privilege. And what we do is at the beginning of the time, we have a Bible talk. I call it a Bible talk because I don't want to scare them away with a devotional or the word devotional. They'll be like, what? <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, so what we do is we do a Bible talk and it's very simple very basic. I'll never forget the first time I did a Bible talk with them just to get a gauge on them. I asked them, what is their experience with God or the Bible? And I remember it was like zero, nothing from anyone besides one kid who raised his hand and he stuck his chest out. I was all excited. He's like, I think I've read a page. And he was so excited. And I was like, yes, all right, cool. We're starting with zero. <laughs> so this is good. I, I, I love our Bible talks. This last Thursday, what we did was um, I started off the conversation with, at, uh, with a simple statement of, um, I told them all that each one of us in the room and everyone you know uh, was going to live forever. And I, the purpose of those Bible talks in the beginning is just to, to catch them in, to get their attention right away. So uh, you can imagine the different reactions we got. Some people thought it was talking about reincarnation. Some people thought we were talking about uh, just being remembered in the hearts of the people you leave behind. And so I used the opportunity to bring it uh, to the next step of we we all have, I always use the phrase with them, we all have an expiration date, right? We all have a date that we are not going to live past. When that happens, we're going to stand before God, right? And we're going to be, we're going to be judged. And we're going to end up in one of two places, and it's kind of a harsh message, but it's something that uh, they need to hear, and they need to hear from someone who loves them and cares about them. But I loved uh, the conversation starter, just remembering that each person that we run into 
um, are no mere mortals. I'd like to take that same challenge that I gave to our, our, our Impact Basketball guys and put a little twist on it and give it to you. C.S. Lewis stated that there are no ordinary people. You have never talked with a mere mortal. I encourage you, yes, to know who you are, but don't just stop at knowing who you are, a child of God. You need to understand the, the immense amount of love and care that has been shown to you. That's who you are, a child of God. Now, take every one you come in contact with and you need to live out this kind of love that you've been shown by God because you are never, ever talking with a mere mortal. You are looking at someone who will stand before God one day and they will face judgment. You are looking at someone who will be in heaven with you or someone who will be in hell. You are a child of God. That's who you are. But let that kind of love dictate how you love other people in your life. Let that impact, let that drive you towards reaching out to other people, not just with being nice to them. And yes, you should be nice to other people, but also letting it flow out of your words, the love that you've been shown. Let that overflow into the people you come in contact with. I am constantly, constantly encouraging people to share their faith with as many as they can. Uh, Let me encourage you with this. Sharing your faith, um, sharing with other people who you are, loved child of God, sharing this with other people is not and should never be about directing other people to how you've got it all together. Because, I mean, let's face it, you don't. (laughs) Uh, I'm not trying to be rude. If you think you've got it all together, please give me some tips. Um, But sharing your faith is not and should never be about directing attention to yourself. It's about showing God's perfect love that reached into your imperfect life to save a wretch like you. Too many, far too many, choose not to share their faith because their life doesn't match up to what they're preaching. Guess what? Nobody's life perfectly matches up to what they're preaching. Which is good news for you and me, honestly, because when we share the gospel and because we're supposed to share the gospel, once again, we're not directing people's attention to how we've got it all together, how our life is perfect. We're not saying, hey, Come to Will Suarez and I will save you. No, that will not work. I promise you. (laughs) That will not work. We're directing people to say, hey, this is who I am. I'm loved by a good heavenly father. Can I tell you about him? That's it. It's not about look at my life, look at my family. We've got it all together. Look at our family at 6 o'clock in the morning. You will see we do not have it all together. Got two children running around half naked around the house destroying everything. We do not have everything together we tell people about who we are because it points to who god is a good loving and gracious father that needs to be who we are not just knowing up here but living it out to others telling others this is who we are we're loved by a good loving gracious heavenly father 
As I said previously, there are three truths that I believe each follower of Jesus needs to know in their walk with Christ. The first truth, you need to know who you are. You are a child of God. The second truth is this, that you need to know what you will be. If you notice at the, at the beginning of verse 2, 1 John 3, 2, John begins including himself as part of the children of God. He's kind of connecting himself with his readers. So as we read this, keep that in mind. He said, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. So Paul is, uh, excuse me, Paul, John is creating a contrast here in verse 2. He's reemphasizing the blessing that we now have as being called children of God right now. That's a huge blessing. He's not trying to diminish that in any way. Your life right now is now properly and and beneficially impacted because of God. But then he moves on to say that what you will be is not yet here. Now we know that as followers of Christ, as believers in Jesus Christ, God is not done working on us. Thank God. He is not done working on us. He's working on us every day, right? Uh, at least he should be. Second Corinthians 3.18 says that we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being, present tense, transformed today into the image from one degree of glory to another. Philippians 1.6 further explains this idea, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God is not done with you. That's good. Keep that in mind. But it's important to know who you are, but you also need to keep in mind what you will be in the future, and that is that you will be like Christ. When we give our lives to Jesus, uh, we have a, a special unity with Jesus Christ that happens. A very special bond when we place our faith in Christ. We inherit Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.27 says this, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We have an immense privilege of Christ dwelling in us and living in uh, living through us. One of my favorite passages, and I share it with the teens all the time, is Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We have inherited Jesus Christ, living in us, living through us. The old will has passed away. It's now to be Christ reaching out to this world. Know what you will be, and that is like Christ. And the last portion of this verse, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Now there's a lot of, boy, a lot of speculation as to what is going to all completely take place when he appears. Um, Some of it might be okay. A lot of it, some people just take too much license with it all. Um, But here's the bottom line. Colossians 3, 4 says this, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Then you will also appear with him in glory. That's a wonderful truth, honestly. Um, I, I love studying this and looking at this. So I wanted to take some time and just share some of the things that will accompany 
our appearance with him in glory. Just as a reminder for you. First of all, we will see Jesus as he is. We will see him as he is. Just like a mother and a father relationship with their children, if they've been away for an extended period of time, they don't want to just look at a picture of their children and feel comforted and hug the picture. It's not the same thing. You want to be there face to face. You want to see your children face to face, hug them, spend time with them, talk with them. Just like that relationship, we will see Jesus as he is. We will experience a personal face-to-face relationship with him. Another thing that's going to accompany our appearance with him in glory is our faith will be turned to sight. We'll be able to see everything about God. Glorification of our bodies. Blind people will be able to see. Lame people will be able to walk. Deaf people will be able to hear. Diseased bodies will be healed. No deficiencies, no death in our glorified bodies. There'll be purity of character. Purity of character. We'll possess true, unadulterated wisdom. We'll be living in a morally and sexually pure life. No temptations like that. Things, we'll be thinking on things that are pure and just and Christ-like. We'll have satisfaction of heart. Our soul will genuinely never thirst again for the things of God. We'll be with him. We'll experience fullness of joy. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes there, there are days that I have to fight for joy. I have to fight to remember where my joy is placed. We're not going to have to fight. We'll have that fullness of joy. And the last thing I wanted to mention is that we'll have purified hearts. And that's important for me, especially, and it should be important for you, because that means that there's no more daily going to war with sin. There's no more daily battles in and out every other day, or excuse me, every day, every other hour about different sin trying to claw and scratch its way into your life. We'll have purified hearts when we are united with Christ. Know what you will be, and that is like Christ. Appear with him in glory. So the second truth that each follower of Christ needs to know Know what you will be like Christ. The third is this. Know where your hope is placed. 1 John 3, verse 3, And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Uh, There are some that would say, or maybe you've even thought this yourself or run into it before, if I'm already going to be like Jesus Christ in the future, why on earth do I need to work on this right now? My, sense, my, my future is secure. Maybe I can just take it easy in my life right now. Maybe I don't have to worry about going to war or doing battle every day against the sin trying to creep into our lives. Christian, you need to know where your hope is. Your hope for salvation. Your hope for your day-to-day walk with God, of a future with God, is found in Jesus Christ. Okay? So keep that in mind. He is your fortress. He's your high tower. He's your solid rock. So if you would say that your hope is in Jesus Christ, then you are told to walk the road of purifying yourself just as your Savior is pure. One commentator summarizes this well. He says, The privilege of being God's children also holds within it the responsibility 
of living in accordance with the model given to us by God and lived out by Jesus. First Baptist Church, are you growing in Jesus Christ? Does he mean more to you today than he did last week when we, got, when we were here, sitting in the exact same seats? Do you long for more of Jesus Christ? Or has he become boring? Are you bored with him? We've covered three truths that you need to know when you walk with Christ. You need to know who you are. You are a child of God. That's important. You need to know what you will be. You will be like Christ. You need to know where your hope is placed and that hope is placed in Jesus Christ. But you also need to remember that while you will be like Christ, you're supposed to start working on becoming like Christ right now. We don't have the luxury of time. I hesitate saying that, but we really don't have the luxury of time. We always think we have more time than we do, right? You get to the end of the day, and oh man, forgot to get that done. I'll have to do it tomorrow. You get to the end of the week, and you realize something bigger that you forgot. It's like, oh, I meant to work on that project this week, or I meant to turn this into the boss, or whatever it might be. And you, you think, oh man, I don't have time. I didn't have time to do this. I'll have to get it done next, next week when I have more time. We always think we have more time than we actually do. As ambassadors of Jesus Christ, we just don't have the luxury of sitting still, of becoming stagnant. God has specifically called each one of you who live in this area to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ to here, to Mishawaka, to South Bend, to Elkhart, to Goshen, wherever it is that you live, God's called you specifically to be an ambassador to that city, that town. We don't have the luxury of pulling back and encasing ourselves in a little Christian bubble where we go home to our Christian homes, where we come to our Christian church, where we drive our Christian cars, we have our Christian dogs. You know, we don't have the luxury of encasing ourselves away from the world. That's missing a responsibility that we've been given to reach out to this world, to share the love of Christ with this world. If your hope is in Jesus Christ, you have a responsibility from the example of Christ to grow and not just on accident, on purpose. John makes an integral point to say at the beginning of our text today to point out, says, see, look, stop what you're doing, be amazed at this, the kind of love that God has shown to you is far better than anything else. He says, look at this kind of love that you've been shown. You're not meant to bottle that up and to keep it to yourself. That's never your job, to take all this kind of special, God-like love that you've been shown and keep it. You're supposed to take that, that kind of love that you've been shown, It's supposed to motivate you to grow closer to God, draw near to him, and he will draw near to you, but not just stop there. That same kind of love that you've been shown is supposed to motivate you to closer to Christ, but it's also meant to overflow out of your life. It needs to, your life needs to be so filled with this kind of love 
that it's oozing out. There's a rather lame joke, but it made me laugh about, you need to be so filled with the love of Christ that if a mosquito bites you, it will fly away singing, there's power in the blood. It's cheesy, I know, but I I did laugh. We need to be so filled with the love of Christ, with the love that we've been shown through Jesus Christ, that it oozes out to everyone else we come in contact with. I'm not saying that every single person you see while you're driving, you stick your head out the window and you yell the gospel at them. That might be a little bit irresponsible. Don't do that. But there's other ways you can show the love of Christ. You have neighbors. You have neighbors. You have coworkers. You have friends. You have family members that don't know about Jesus Christ. You already have relationships in your life. I'm willing to bet that you can begin sharing this love, this amazing kind of love that you've been shown with them. Don't bottle it up and keep it to yourself. You're meant to take that love, draw closer to God because of it, spend time in his word because of it, and let it overflow toward others. My encouragement for us today is that in our daily walk with Jesus Christ, you need to know and you need to be reminded of the three truths we've talked about. You need to, you need to know who you are. You are a child of God. You need to know what you will be, which you will be like Christ. And you need to know where your hope is placed. And that hope is placed in Jesus Christ. And as that hope is placed in Jesus Christ, let that be a motivation to share with other people the true hope they can have as well in Jesus Christ because of the work that he's done for people like you and me. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for bringing us this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. It's truth. Lord, I pray that um, your word would sink deep into our hearts, that we would, Lord, take uh, seriously the kind of love that's being highlighted right here, the love that our Heavenly Father has shown to us that we don't deserve, we could never earn, but it's given to us. God, I pray that we would value that gift in our lives. I pray that we as a church, as First Baptist, Lord, that we would not take this kind of love and bottle it up and keep it for ourselves, store it away, Lord. No, I pray that this love would draw us closer to Jesus Christ because of it, that we would spend time in your message, your word to us because of its importance, but that it would overflow out of our lives and impact our world for the cause of Jesus Christ because this kind of love deserves that kind of attention. Lord, I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.